because that's what it is, man. It's like starting something, you fail, you get made fun of, people laugh at you, it doesn't work out, you lose money, right? And you feel like quitting, but no, stay on that path, stay hustling, stay getting in the trenches, stay moving forward, stay doing the things you need to do to get that needle moving forward just a little bit, just 1% every single day, because in the end, the hustle always prevails. If you keep going and you don't quit, you're going to win. If you're looking to leave the nine to five and to elevate your side hustle, the Hustle the Day podcast is the podcast for you. Your host, Trent Bray, left the nine to five grind behind and is helping others do the same and focus on the future. Hear from others who have done it and how they did it. Jump in as we talk entrepreneurship, mindset, and strategy. Just take it one day at a time and hustle the day. On this episode of the Hustle the Day podcast, I have John Stankowitz on the show. John, all throughout college, was hustling, creating new businesses, got introduced to the idea of passive income, got linked up with a network marketing company that is now paying him passively so he can establish and build other brands that he is passionate about. Super interesting story. Let's jump into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hustle of the Day podcast. My name is Trent. Super excited to have John Stinkowitz on the show. John, why don't you jump in? Tell my audience a little bit about yourself. What is going on, Trent? I'm pumped to be here, man. And yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm pumped to pour into your community because I feel like a lot of my story and the lessons I've learned along the way can really resonate with people who have just left their nine to five or are attempting to escape it right now. And what's interesting with me, man, is that I never actually had like a, a traditional nine to five corporate job. And I always start my story back at age 14 because growing up was always kind of a troublemaker in school, just always pushing the boundaries, was a little bit rebellious. But at age 14, it was my freshman year. I remember getting called down to the principal's office. And when I walked in, they had the principal, vice principal, superintendent all around the table. And I knew that they don't get the three big dogs together for uh, a smack on the wrist. So I, I sat down and there, I, it was like the superintendent, he looks at me, he's like, John, do you know why we're calling you down today? And I was like, I have no idea. Although there's a million different reasons that were going through my head of what it could have possibly been. But they're like, earlier today, a student made a bomb threat. We found out who it was, we brought him down here. And we had him admit everything he had done wrong while he was here at school in the past year. And they said, it came up that you sold him a $5 bag of weed in history class. And the moment just like flooded over me. My face got all red. I got all flustered butterflies in my stomach because two and a half months prior, I'd done that. This kid had asked me if I could get him a $5 bag of weed. I wasn't a drug dealer or anything, but I knew where I could get it. I got it for him out of all places. I guess I chose history class to sell it to him. And here we were. And the superintendent was basically like, John, if you come straight and, and you come clean with this, we'll work to resolve it. If you're honest, it'll be a lot better. So being 14 years old, scared on my mind, I really didn't know what to do other than to trust him. I admitted it, and that resulted in me getting expelled from school for half the year. I had to do all my tutoring hours outside of the high school. I wasn't allowed there, and I had to do 200 hours of community service in order to return the following year. And at that moment, thought my life was over. Right? You're, like, you're 14. You don't realize how much time you have ahead of you. And I, I just thought the best I was ever going to be able to do from that point on was be a cashier or some type of job like that. And after two weeks, I remember being at home moping around my house, my mom and stepfather sat me down. And they were like, John, look, we don't condone of what you did. We don't approve of it. But you need to understand that you're 14 years old, you have so much time ahead of you to recover from this. We see you moping around. 
you can work now and let this make you or you can let it break you. And I remember in that moment, this was the most important decision I've ever made. I remember deciding that I would figure out a way to become successful. And at the time, I had no idea really how I was going to make it happen. But I, I started following the path that society kind of lays out for you of you got to go to school, get good grades, get a good degree, uh, get into a good college, get a good degree, go get a good job. So I'm like, all right, if that's success. That's what I'm going to do. I decided that I was going to become a physical therapist. That's what I, I was interested in sports. I saw a six figure salary. So I was like, that's what I'm going to do. So I do all my community service, get back in school throughout high school, held multiple jobs, working 30 hours a week in a kitchen behind the fry later. I was the fryer king. Uh, back in my day back there, <laughs> but got through high school. And I actually turned my act around got into the, the college of my dreams. And about a month before I was supposed to go, I had to have another talk with my mom who sat me down. And she was like, John, we can't afford this. You don't you, you neglected to apply for scholarships. And we can't get loans this large your first year. The best we can do is send you to the community college five minutes down the road from us and have you commute from home. And meanwhile, I had been to the school, I went to the orientation, I had like the hoodie with all the letters on it and stuff signed up for classes. And this was the second most important moment for me because I threw a little hissy fit, like a little girl ran in my room, slammed my door. It's like what, playing the victim, why is this happening to me? And again, after a couple of weeks, I was faced with the reality of it. I'm like, this is what I have. And I, again, I can let this make me or break me. And I decided that I would never let finances dictate the decisions I'd make the rest of my life. So get through that year of school, transfer into the University of Connecticut, the main campus. I'm, I'm from Connecticut. So pretty big school here. And in, in the most recent years, it's really inclined in popularity. But I got into the school. And that's when I was introduced to entrepreneurship and my life totally changed. And at first, I was introduced to the vehicle of network marketing. And it was from my best friend that I grew up with in uh, went to high school with worked within the kitchens. And when he introduced it to me, I just like I felt like everything had been flipped upside down. You're taught your whole life that you have to go, like I said before, get good grades, get into a good college, get a good degree, go get a good job. That's success. And he turned it upside down. I saw these, these young kids, like 20 years old, traveling the world. They're their own boss. I'm getting taught about the concepts of passive income. Um, like just this lifestyle that you're in control of and you're able to design versus just sitting in the cube farm for 40 years, as I like to call it. So I went all in with that business with my buddy. We spent about six months, just every night, people coming to our dorm room, we're just sharing them the vision of what's possible. We started growing to other college campuses. I used to borrow this girl's car on my hall to go and do those events on the weekends because I didn't have a car at the time. And we were really just all in running out of class to get on calls with prospects because I saw more value in that than sitting through a microbiology lecture. And that's basically when school was like, I decided that wasn't, wasn't going to be the path for me anymore, but I still stuck it out. And after about six months of that, I realized the company I was with didn't really align with my integrity and my values. But meanwhile, my mom had been partnered with a different network marketing company, which I decided to join and build with her. And that was a rough transition. We can get into that later if you want. But I started building that with her and throughout school, just different business ventures out of our dorm room. There was this inner entrepreneurial beast that was unlocked that I, I just couldn't turn off. And we had businesses where we were flipping textbooks on campus during finals week. We started a business busing students to and from off-campus parties and events. We were trading stocks, flipping sports jerseys, and probably a few other things I shouldn't name on, the, on this podcast, but we tried it all. But what was cool is at the time I graduated, I got my degree in applied mathematics and economics, and I vowed I would never put it to use. And my business at that point was producing me more income residually than most of my friends were making going down that traditional corporate path to the cube farm. So I decided five days after graduation that I was going to move to Florence, Italy. 
And over there, I, I used this travel company as a vehicle to get there and, and kind of network and meet people. But we were selling day and weekend trips all over Italy and Europe to study abroad students. Every weekend, we'd go on them. And then the people who ran the nightlife scene there kind of saw the influence we had over pretty much everyone they wanted to fill up the nightclubs with. And so I started club promoting as well. So it was probably the craziest seven month span of my life. After that seven months, I was just really tired, burnt out and ready to just take this business, which was paying me nicely, but stop treating it like a side hustle and start treating it like a real business. And that's when came back to the States, moved out to California, went through some serious personal growth and just recommitted to my business and, and my vision. And I went on to become a top 10 income earner in our network marketing company for ages 25 and under for three years in a row, which allowed me to invest in different businesses I'm passionate about. I just published my first book a year ago, Beyond the Classroom, uh, start a podcast, start a clothing line. So many things were unlocked because of this platform I used to really create time and financial freedom with. So yeah, man, it's been a, a crazy journey so far. It certainly has been a crazy journey for you, but I mean, there's so much that you you left out in there of you know that whole story because it it seems like there's just story after story after story that you that you get into in your book, and it's like, wow, this is you've really led an incredible life already. But I want to ask you a couple questions regarding the network marketing thing. So. One thing that you've had to put up with and you talk about more in depth in your book is, you know, people have preconceived notions about what it is, you know, pyramid scheme, MLM, you know, it, it turns out a lot of people have a negative connotation about it. You are still able to succeed in spite of that. So how do you get people to overcome their preconceived notions? Because a lot of companies are the same way, like people see your clothing company and they already make an opinion about it just by seeing the shirt that you're wearing. So how can you overcome some of those preconceived notions that people have about anything? Totally, man. For me, with my first business, which overall, I guess was a failure, I made money and we built a decent sized organization. But going into that one, we call it in our industry, ignorance on fire. Obviously, I'm 18 years old. I had no skills as an entrepreneur. I've never built a network marketing business before. But I had the belief there and it helped that my mom has always been an entrepreneur and I was watching her succeed with her network marketing company. But, um, the belief is, it was the the first thing for me, like my belief was so radiant that people were like, I want to do whatever he's doing. I don't even know what it is, but they saw the vision and felt the vision. So they enrolled themselves in it as for the preconceived notions. That's going to be something that always happens. Right. But as a network marketer, our job is really to be an educator. So most people don't really understand what network marketing is. When people look at you and they're like, oh, is that one of those pyramid things? Or is that a scam? They don't really know what it actually is. Because if they did, they'd understand it's one of the smartest business models to move a product that exists. And so you, you just can't get like rattled when someone's like, is that a pyramid thing? You just need to understand that they're not educated on what network marketing really is yet. And we bring our job is to just simply bring them through that educational process, show them and teach them what network marketing is all about. And then at the end, it's up to them whether or not they want to join you or not or want to be a part of it. And it's definitely not for everybody, but for the people who are open to being educated and decide this is an opportunity for them, they can do amazing things with it. And it really starts like one of the biggest things like I guess that pyramid thing, I don't even get that. And I haven't got that in years just because of my posture and people have watched me and seen what I've done with the business. But network marketing, really, all it does is takes advantage of the most powerful form of advertisement, which is word of mouth. 
and they allow you to take their product, build a network of customers, harnessing word of mouth advertisement because people buy products from the people they know, like, and trust. So someone sees me, my best friend using a product, I gain 20 pounds of muscle and I say, hey, I use this. It's amazing. You should use it too. The company just rewards you for sharing that product. It's really as simple as that. And the, the compensation plans, and you got to pick the right company, but some compensation plans you look at, you're like, how is a company even making money with how much they're paying their distributors? Because it's insane. But really what it comes down to is just focus on educating. Don't be so worried about what people say. Know that they don't really know what it is yet. Your job is just to educate them and show them what it's all about. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I love the idea of educating people and you know showing them that difference in, in their way of thinking versus the reality of the situation. So, uh, you know, I love that you are persevering and you're, you're definitely showing people the way forward, but you've touched on failure a little bit. And I typically ask people about failure and what was their biggest failure and what you learned from it. However, I wanted to ask you about how failure has played a part in your current success. Yeah. I mean, it's everything. I think I always break down like what really holds people back from making the decision to go all in on their business and taking action on their goals and dreams are the, there's three really main fears. There's the fear of other people's opinions, the fear of failure, and there's imposter syndrome. You can get over those three things. You're unstoppable, but failure is such an important piece of the puzzle because I think in what my book beyond the classroom is all about, it's, it's how we learn to become successful. And the most important lessons you learn come from outside of traditional school, which come in the form of experience. And you have to be willing to go and experience things, knowing that a majority of them, you're probably going to fail. But when you fail, you actually learn. That's, that's when you actually learn and embody things. When you, when you embrace failure, you figure out what you like and don't like. You figure out what you're good at, what you suck at. And you're able to look at the whole situation and pivot and then actually build the identity of a successful person once you get there so you can maintain it. And so how like failure for me is it's such an important role. My first network marketing business was basically a failure because I quit at the end and, and switched companies. And I had, you know, I was in a fraternity in college. I'd walk into our chapter meetings and people would be like, oh, Bernie Madoff's back. Like, how's your house of cards doing, man? Like yelling. And, you know, that took its toll on me. It prevented me from really hitting my full stride again in network marketing. It took years and a lot of personal development to get back in the mental place to go and succeed with it. But again, our, our business where we were busing students to and from off-campus events, I really should say event because our first event, we did this bar stool blackout party and we got there, a kid walked off the bus, fell down the stairs, puked all over the sidewalk, and none of the bus companies would touch us after that. And we had to pretty much close up shop after that. But we learned so much. We, we mass marketed on campus. We started our first LLC. Like we did the paperwork. We learned so many things about business in that, um, in that venture that it's like, how can you really say it's a, a true failure? Like, yeah, the business didn't work out, but we learned so much. And you take those skills and you take those lessons you learn and you apply them to business today and don't make the same mistakes you did the last time. So it, it's everything. And there's some people who hit it off big their first go around with entrepreneurship or for the, with their first venture. But I think it's so much more important and the people who've actually failed and tasted failure are the ones who actually maintain their success in the long run. So just knowing that it's a necessary part of the puzzle, like listen to other people who are successful stories. They've all been through it for the most part. Almost every one of them has is, is just been knocked down over and over and over, but they just keep getting up and attacking. And that's what failure is. That's what it's really all about. Just keep learn from it and keep moving. Stay focused on the vision. One reason that I really wanted to talk to you 
specifically is, you know, you mentioned earlier, you haven't had the traditional nine to five and you had some jobs throughout uh, high school and college and whatnot, but a lot of the things that you did, a lot of the companies that you started or, you know, side hustles that you did are what people should be doing to help get themselves out of their nine to five, like the flipping textbooks. I love that example. You know, I've known somebody personally that they'll go buy palletized books from Goodwill and then go flip them on Amazon and they make six figures doing that. You definitely have the hustle mentality. And, you know, we, we obviously connected on hustle being hustle the day podcast, my brand hustle energy, and you've got your clothing brand, the hustle prevails, which is awesome. Uh, so I've got to ask this question to you is what is your personal definition of the word hustle? That's a really good question, man. Um, I think for me, it's really just being willing to get in the trenches and never giving up. That, that's really what it comes down to. It's like being willing to get down and dirty, do the work that isn't glamorous, but can keep going. That's really it. And like with my, the hustle prevails, we were kind of talking about before the show, how it was something that just popped into my mind. And as I, and I, like I said, I saw the Instagram website and trademark weren't taken. So I just took them and I sat on it for three months, really like just letting it sit on me to figure out what I wanted to do with that phrase. And it just encapsulates everything about like my life so far and so much of the journey of the entrepreneur, because that's what it is, man. It's like starting something, you fail, you get made fun of, people laugh at you, it doesn't work out, you lose money, right? And you feel like quitting, but no, stay on that path, stay hustling, stay getting in the trenches, stay moving forward, stay doing the things you need to do to get that needle moving forward just a little bit, just 1% every single day, because in the end, the hustle always prevails. If you keep going and you don't quit, you're going to win. I always tell people that the only way to fail is to quit. If you keep going, you're never going to fail, right? It's, it's as simple as that. Eventually, I think that if, you, if you're super serious about what you're doing and you stay focused, at one point, it's going to come together. I agree with that 100%. And I've learned a lot, a lot of the value of persistence in you know, starting this brand of something where it was setback after setback after setback, but, and persevering and how that benefited me personally, as well as the idea and what I'm capable of. But one thing you are doing and showing that hustle is a lot of people in network marketing, they get to a certain point and they're like, okay, I'm good. You're, you're talking about how you're, it's mostly passive now, mostly residual now. And so the question is, what makes you decide, hey, I'm going to go out and I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to start a brand. Like, how do you have that different mentality and where did that come from? Yeah, I think one of the most important things, if you're involved with network marketing or considering getting involved, you have to know kind of what you want out of it when you get involved, because there's always another rank to hit. There's always a new income level. There's always the next level you can take it to. And there's always going to be someone in your company that's making more than you, unless you're the number one earner. And even if you are, someone's probably going to surpass you one day. So for me, when I got involved with network marketing, I saw it as a platform to create the freedom in my life, the time freedom and the financial freedom. And I knew that at a certain point, I wanted to start my own businesses. But what network marketing allowed me to do was create time freedom, create financial freedom, and in the process, network with tons of people that are highly successful in the entrepreneurial realm and build the skills necessary so that when I was ready, I can go out there and build my own brand and my own business and my own products. So going into it, knowing what you want out of it. And I see a lot of people like 
it's just really easy to get caught up in like the whole rank game. And like, you're at a conference and you have your rank on your badge, you see the other person's rank and like, that's all done. That's, that's for a reason. It's psychological. People see it and it gets them to want to be better and be higher. Um, but just know what you want out of it. If you want to enter network marketing and you want to make 10 grand a year to cover your car payments, like there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to make a, a six figures, a hundred thousand dollars a year, and you're happy with that, nothing wrong with that. Like, you get to decide it's your own business. And so for me, I just, you know, the last, I, I had this book idea right from when I graduated college and I didn't, and I was 22 years old. I didn't take action on it consistently till I was 26. It took like four years before I really took action on it. And it was just a matter of me being ready, me feeling like, all right, like this is the time let's, let's make it happen now. But that, that's really it. It's just get into it and know what you want out of it. And, um, don't just like go after something for someone else. Like, cause what you think someone else wants of you, like stick to what you want yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, sticking to it is, is great. And it's easy to say to do that, but you related a couple of experiences uh, in, you know, other interviews and in your book about other people having belief in you. What has that done for you? Yeah, I think it's important. And in the beginning, Unfortunately, you're probably not going to have a lot of people who believe in you and think that you're going to make this big, magnificent dream you have happen, but it helps a lot. And I, I think going back, like I mentioned, fear of other people's opinions before, what really holds people back, that's one of the three main fears I find that hold people back from hitting their full stride. Like you're going to start something and you're going to have your best friend, your girlfriend or boyfriend, your mom or dad not believe in you. And, and it can, you we might feel like, oh, wow, like, should I really do this? And, and you're going to give a lot of weight to their opinion. Um, what I suggest is that you need to have, like, look at where people are, if you're taking their opinion, and figure out, like, do they have a lifestyle that I want? Or better yet, are they on the path that I want? So I have a few people that I really respect their opinion and will adjust my actions based off of. But they're people that are like concrete in alignment with my vision, with my identity, with my values, with my beliefs. And so most people's opinions, like I'll listen to them, but most of the time, like if they're not in alignment with me or don't have what I want, like I, you just don't listen to it. Everyone's going to have an opinion. Um, and it's up to you to kind of decide which ones you're going to actually embody and, and take. So belief, like my mom's always had incredible belief in me, which really helps because I've always had that her as a figure to go back and like share my ideas with. And she's one of the people who I really value her opinion when I'm making major decisions. Um, but really like more than anything else, you got to believe in yourself. I think like you, you got to be confident that you are going to make it happen. Cause no one doesn't matter who it is. No one's going to come and make it happen for you or give you a handout. Like you can network all over the world, but it's up to you to make it happen. So really if you have a couple people that you really can confide in, but more than anything else, you can believe in yourself. That's really all that matters to go out there and make it happen. Yeah, I think you answered that perfectly because we do have so many people that will say negative things or you can't do this or why don't you get a real job? You know, all these different things that get thrown at us all the time. And I think that you answered it perfectly. Look at the, the people that are throwing those opinions. What are they doing? Are they in the position that you want to be in? That should tell you how much weight you should put into that into that comment or things like that. And it's great to surround yourself with those that do bolster you up, that do have that same mentality and that same mindset and uh, the same goals uh, is what I'm looking for. So I, I love the way that you answered that. 
And you had a great example in um, your book that you've talked about a couple of times about what social proof does for your business. Uh, so you used a, an example of flipping the textbooks. So could you dive into that a little bit and what social proof has done for you? Yeah, man. That, that's So the textbook thing, if I had to pick any of my side hustles or little ventures, that's probably my favorite one. And to give you guys some context, basically every finals week, we would just take the campus by storm. We had these flyers printed out with a website. So our goal was to buy as many textbooks as we could and flip them. So weeks leading up to it, we'd do all this research. We'd figure out what the most profitable books were, where the exams were being held, like what class that was correlated with, where those exams were being held, what time. We had this whole spreadsheet. And then we'd print out these orange flyers with our website where people could go to make an appointment to sell our book, their books to us. And we'd go to their dorm room and we had a spot in the middle of campus and we had a number they could text to get a quote for the book as well. So like we had someone just nonstop giving these price quotes, manning the computer because we didn't have any automation or anything like that. But basically my job was at, with all that research, I would stand outside lecture halls and I would offer people cash for their books as they walked out of the exam. So basically these kids are, and, and I'm at UConn, so there's like 20, 25,000 students. First, we would do this whole flyer campaign. So it consists of two straight nights of us just sneaking into dorm rooms and putting a flyer under every door that we could, getting chased around by RAs and stuff. But when I was outside the lecture halls, I would you know, buy these textbooks and UConn, 25,000 students, there'd be 200, 250 people in some of these lecture halls. So they were big and I would be there by myself. And what would happen is in the beginning, I sucked at it. And people were avoiding me like the plague. But once I got better at it, like I'd have my flyers and my cash, people would walk out of their exams and I would be like, hey, hope you crush your exam. We're actually doing textbook buyback for that psychology book you're holding. I can give you $40 cash for it right now if you're interested. And, you know, what the numbers broke down to, if there was a 250 person lecture and I bought about 10 of the books, we would sometimes profit a thousand to 1500 bucks in the course of an hour, which is insane for college students. So one of my favorite stories was there was this economics exam and I was in the class and we didn't have anyone free during that time to buy the book. So I got up at like two in the morning, studied straight through till eight. And I was like more prepared for this exam than I ever had been before because there was money on the line now. And I went in, like rushed through the exam. I started seeing some people leave. So I just like randomly filled out the rest of the answers, gave it like run outside and I start buying the books. And the first few people right away sold me their books. So I had this pile accumulating next to me. And when that happened, more people, when I went up to them, would see that I had, like other people had sold me their books and they'd be way more inclined to sell me theirs. So that one, I, I piled up like, I don't even remember, 25, 30 textbooks. And um, I remember the professor walked out because I was being loud, running all over the place, like causing, causing uh, a lot of noise. And he's like, what are you doing out here? And then he saw and he looked at me and I like kind of told him, he's just like, you got to figure it out, my, my friend. He's like, <laughs> he's like, just keep it down out here. But um, the social proof concept that you're saying, it's just like, in the beginning, you're not going to have results, right? But once you start having results, and people start following you, at a certain point, it's like a compounding snowball effect. Like I had five books, and people look and they're like, Oh, well, someone else sold their book to him. So this must be like what people are doing. So I'll follow suit. And that's really what happens. But it's having the patience and the grit and the hustle to get to the point where you allow social proof to accumulate. And it's like, nine years ago, when I started this entrepreneurial journey, if I put out my book, no one would have 
got it, you know, but after doing my network marketing business, doing all these events where sometimes no one would show up, people would walk out of the room with being told no thousands of times to eventually it's like, all right, well now I'm a top income earner in for, for my age bracket. Now I'm on stage. Now I'm mingling with other entrepreneurs. Now I'm traveling the world. Now like it catches people's attention. And then once that happens and the proof is there, people are much more likely to follow suit. So really important concept, honestly. And it's just, it's a patience game, I think more than anything else, because it's going to happen. Um, Cause you, we see, like you see the people who are, have the highest level of results. Like look at someone like Ed Milet or Andy Frisella, right? Like everyone's following suit with them. But what you don't see is Andy, you know, building his first supplement business for 10 years. What, what does he say? He made like $50,000 that whole course of that 10 years like nothing, right? You don't see that. But now you see everyone flocking to him, his Arate syndicate, like his massive following, everyone's showing love and everything he does. You'll get to that point, but you have to keep moving towards it. It's one of those interesting dichotomies of, you know, you've got to hustle, but you've also got to be patient at the same time. You know, you got to have that sense of urgency, but also understand the compound effect of things, you know, it eventually builds up and it eventually reaches that breaking point where things start to show up, but you've got to put in the work during that time until you get to that point. So I love, I love the story of the social proof. I love that, you know, once people saw you were that you, other people were taking you up on those books. They're like, oh, well, this must be legitimate. You launched your book last year. First of all, how was it writing the book? And then how was it, you know, once you put that book out there? Yeah. I mean, it was more a passion project than anything else, for sure. I had, like I said, I had the idea when I was graduating 22 years old, looking down at the cap and gown on my bed, I'm like, dude, every freaking thing I've learned to become successful has come from outside of school. And I'm like going to get this six figure piece of paper. And it was just like, my mind was just like, what is going on here, man? Like, I'm about to move to Italy. All these people are like, oh, we're onto the real world. Life's over now. Like, and I'm about to go just explore the world and use it as my playground. So I'm just like, this message, more young people need to hear this message and see this path. So I had the idea. Um, Talk to a bunch of my friends who are going the traditional path. They're all like, you're too young. You don't have enough experience. You don't have enough of following yet. You don't have like all of the excuses that you'd expect from someone who's going the traditional path. I was, I felt like, like I, I suffered from that imposter syndrome I talked about because all my, I'd been obsessed with reading since age 18 and all of my favorite authors, I'm comparing myself to them who have 30, 40, 50 years more experience than I do millions and millions of dollars, millions of followers. And then I was like, what if, like writing a book is a lot of work. Like what if I take all the time to write this book and invest all this energy and time and it doesn't work out. And so fear of failure. And it took me years to get over those three things. But once I properly reframed them in 2019, I was living in Manhattan and I was just like, I turned 25, I believe. And I was just like, it's time to make it happen. What am I waiting for? So I started writing. It was about a 14 month process from start to finish. I would write anywhere. It's a big spread, but like two to 10 hours a day, depending on like what type of zone I was in. But I made sure two hours a day, I was working on the book to move things forward, but working in coffee shops. I went to the Lifetime Sky Gym in Manhattan and I spent a lot of time there writing, but um, eventually pushed it through to completion. We published it on March 15th of 2020. So we just celebrated the one year anniversary of it. And it, it, you know, an incredible process. And really, I wrote the book with three goals in mind. The first was to inspire people to take action on whatever that business or goal or dream of theirs is on their gut that they're hesitating on taking action on. The second was to just shift people's perspective to what's possible. 
I think we're so conditioned and beaten down to think that we can only live life one certain way. And it's just not true. Like I look at my beginnings, I look at the life I've been able to live so far, I feel like I'm just getting started. But it, it like 30 countries residual income, like I just spent a month in Columbia, I'm moving there for three months this summer, in this beautiful penthouse with one of my good friends from college, who's a tech entrepreneur, just because of the lifestyle we created. And I just want people to understand, like, you can do this. <laughs> Anyone can make this happen if you're willing to go for it. And the third goal was basically to entertain people. I like, I don't take life too seriously. And, um, you know, I just wanted to like write a book that people could get involved in the, in the stories and the lessons and have some laughs, but learn along the way. So that's been, that was the goal from the start of writing it. And it's really hit home. I, I feel like the feedback's been incredible. Um, unfortunately, we weren't able to do a book tour like we were planning on because we released it right when COVID happened. We had all these dates lined up, but that's what uh, pivoted, what caused me to pivot and start my podcast, which has been incredible as well and a great networking tool and a great way to bring value to the world. And it's really an extension of the book. So a lot of amazing things have come from it and super grateful that I had a discipline to make it happen because it was a lot of work and a lot of frustration for sure. Yeah, I love how you've designed your life to be what it is now. Um, I know we're running out of time, but I wanted to, one question I really wanted to ask you, you, you talk about how education definitely played a part in your life, traditional education, but the basis of the book is all the things that you learned outside of the classroom. So if you were put in charge of restructuring traditional education, how would you do it? Yeah, I think entrepreneurship at least needs to be taught about and, and finances is a huge piece of the puzzle as well. I think that so many people finish college without a basic financial education at all. Like people don't understand credit. People don't understand like how to save money. They don't understand compound interest. Like they don't understand how to do their taxes. They don't know how to do anything. And none of that's taught in school. And I just think a lot more focus needs to be put on experience versus reading textbooks, memorizing facts and regurgitating them on Scantron papers. Like for me, really, really the concept of the unconventional education I talk about is learning through experience and learning through failure is a huge concept, but really just like having these ideas going out there and learning in a real world sense. That, that's really what it comes down to. The whole, like, like our school system's designed to create people who are perfect cogs in a system and, and like to be replaceable parts of a machine to make it operate. Like we're, we're taught to follow orders. We're, we're taught to not really be free thinkers or creative. We're kind of like, like the arts and stuff like that. Like remember people get made fun of for like wanting to pursue art or music or stuff like that. Um, but we need to teach people how to be leaders and how to be free thinkers and creators and like designers, you know what I mean? Instead of just being followers, I think that's really what it comes down to because everything that you see that's made a huge impact on this world and has changed the world has come from someone just stepping outside of, like this little box society tries to put you in, being a free thinker, a leader, thinking outside the box and, and just kind of going after their passions and dreams. And I just think that stuff needs to be encouraged more and um, way more of a focus on that. Yeah, I completely agree. So I want to give you a chance for you to plug where people can best find more information about you. But before I do that, one final question, what is it that excites you about the future? Man, so much. I, I look back, so I've been in entrepreneurship for coming up on nine years this summer now, which is crazy to think about, but I look at the fact that I'm 27 years old and that what's going to happen in 20, 30, 40 years from now, like with what I've learned so far and how much time is ahead, um, 
I don't even know. Like people ask like, what, where exactly do you want to be? I don't really know like the exact situation, like where I'm living, all of that. But I do know I want to make an enormous impact and, and just keep making the biggest impact I can through entrepreneurship. And it's just like, it's just so exciting knowing how much time's ahead and um, what we're going to be able to accomplish based off what's already been done. And I feel like we've barely even scratched the surface. So uh, just, just more impact, more results and more just living life to its fullest. Absolutely. You're definitely living that. And, you know, I appreciate you taking time out of your day to be able to speak to my audience and, you know, to have us connect a little bit further. So I first and foremost would appreciate that, but uh, I want to give you a chance to plug where people can best find more information about you and where to find your book. Absolutely. And I appreciate the opportunity to come on Trent. Love everything that you're doing. Best place. I'm most active on Instagram at John Stankowitz. And then you can find all of the information for all of my you know, books and businesses and everything I do there. And then another place probably where I'm putting out the most free value right now is my podcast, The Unconventional Education Show. So that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. That's probably the best place to get as much free information as I have. I do episodes every Monday, individual, and then I bring on some awesome guests on Thursdays as well. So Perfect. I appreciate it. You know, I know I've gotten a ton of value out of this. So I know my audience has gotten value out of this. So I encourage you all to get out there and hustle the day.